Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Horror Story podcast by BaldMove.com. We're the officially unofficial podcast for FX's American Horror Story. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And today, it's Feedback Friday. Feedback we're, Friday. We're talking about episode 808, Sojourn. I did a sojourn to the AHS Reddit this week, and I saw the place was largely in flames. It seemed like, <gasps> uh, and this is the exception, because usually, you know, I, if you listen to podcasts two or three times a season, I'm usually throwing my hands up in the air and be like, the fuck is Murphy doing? And almost all the time, you'll get 80 to 90% positive response rates on the episode thread, uh, and I'm just like, well, okay, I guess I'm just being too hard on Murphy. But I think the combination of the fact that this was a this is a really short runtime episode. There's almost as many commercials as runtime. The fact it was on Halloween, the fact this was a really good season, and I just feel like everybody felt a little let down. Like we watched an hour of television to essentially confirm a bunch of things that we already knew. Um, so, I mean, it's not universal. We did have a couple people write in and say that they really, really liked the episode. Has your opinion on episode softened since you watched it on All Hallows Eve? Mine? Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> None yeah. of the things you just said would be any catalyst for, for change <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a huge disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. But also... What were we expecting? This was predicted from episode one. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention that the other thing that happened this week that you might have missed out on is uh, Cecily and I did a cinematic spooktacular, which Mm -hmm. is a sequel to the one we did last year where we talk about all the scary movies and TV shows we've been watching in October. We released two of them, in fact. There's volume one and volume two. If you want to have some spooky times for yourself this November, this autumn autumnal season, Mm -hmm. check it out. It's on the Bald Move movies feed. You can find all that stuff on baldmove.com. Anything? Do we do want to have any preambles? We should get right into feedback. I think we should get into feedback. I think... I think the people need to speak. The people need to speak. AHS of baldmove.com and forums.baldmove.com is how you get this feedback into us. First up, Jamie in Seattle. She says, first off, thanks for sharing my theory on Feedback Friday last week. I've been watching Asylum since throwing a theory out that the aliens are really angels. Obviously, I got my confirmation bias cap on, but let me run with this just a bit here. Part one of her thesis. Briarcliff and the surrounding area is a thin veil between heaven, earth, and hell, a la Murder House. Ooh, love those thin places. When I wrote in the last week, I was thinking that it was a demon that possessed Sister Mary Eunice, but with little AHS wiki reading, it reminded me that it was the devil himself who possessed her after he jumped out of the farmer's son. The only other time we've seen him come topside is Murder House, where he spawned Michael. Briarcliff also had the Angel of Death, and the town seems to be a magnet for evildoers. If you follow this logic, it doesn't seem far-fetched that angels would be easily drawn to the town. Okay. All right. Love it. Love it already. Part two. The aliens of Asylum were really angels and were preparing for an inevitable war with the demons. They showed up time and again when their three chosen humans, Alma, Kit, and Grace, were in danger. Seems a bit like guardian angels, no... They also show up with a blinding white light. When Arden is wheeling past Grace to the books, to the woods rather, they literally appear as the light at the end of the tunnel. And at various points, they brought all three of their humans back to life. They also played an instrumental role in bringing the gifted Julia and Thomas into existence, who themselves had healing abilities similar to Mallory's. Meanwhile, Dr. Arden was experimenting to create an evolved human race that would be capable of withstanding nuclear fallout. This is the work that Sister Mary Lucifer 
<laughs> was drawn to, even saying she believed that she was ushering in a new age. So I think the aliens slash angels were working on their own counterattack, creating their own race of superhumans to combat the Antichrist and the war to come. Creation, destruction, creation, destruction. <laughs> I, okay, all right. I think that has really sturdy legs. Yeah, There's no, no way that that's what's happening, but I love it. No, I, it would be really clever if they did. I've been hating uh, on asylum theories this whole year, mostly because it lets my wife be smug. But there is a... <laughs> I, I'm starting to see a through line here. And also, you know, we think of angels as like, uh, you know, essentially beautiful men with uh, or, or women with, with wings. But there's a lot of other, like, descriptions of classes of angels in the bibles that are a little bit more horrific like ones that are bristling with wings and they have eyeballs in their wings and they have bull and lion and animal face and human faces all melded in the one and they're wreathed in flame like i mean the, the aliens in an asylum were were creepy but there's lots of things that that uh you know in revelations and stuff that are creepy so mm-hmm. and also maybe e- the belief in angels and the myth around angels could be a lot different than the reality of angels as perceived by, by humans. I, right, I, I, like the angel of death doesn't administer a kiss, it's a fist. <laughs> right, the mistranslation where they do the fist of death. But aside from that, I, I think of like, um, you know, you hear that ancient sailors mistook uh, manatees for and and or saw manatees and then you got Ariel from the Little Mermaid. Right. Like, there's not a direct connection between there other than vaguely human a uh, humanoid uh, shape and the fact that sailors would fuck anything <laughs> with right. enough with enough grog in them. So yeah, and what people don't understand is when you call a woman a cow, like a sea cow, it's actually a, the highest form of flattery for a mermaid. Yeah. No. Um, but you sound really knowledgeable about the subject of religion and fiction oh i've i've read the bible oh you have <laughs> have you written anything yourself about it uh no i don't want to put a plug in Come here on. Nah, nah, nah. okay my uh cecily is alluding to the fact that yeah i just recently written a book on the subject of uh religion as it re- uh, pertains to game of thrones and I did this, I co-authored it with a, a PhD in religious studies. And if you're interested in that, you can go to Amazon and find it. It's called Gods of Thrones. I'll even put a link in the show notes. I thank you for the plug. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, getting on to part three of her thesis. And here's where, unfortunately, I think the wheels fall off a bit. Uh, part three, AHS Hogwarts and slash fallout shelters located where Briarcliff once was. Uh, finally, there's been a lot of talk about where the school shelter is. Uh, with these cra- so I want to I want to stop right here and say that I think we found conclusively that the school is in California because when Shay and Jackson was driving away, or um, he had California license plates on his car, and we talked about kind of the ridiculous idea that like he would be commuting from California to another state. California is a pretty big state. Uh, I I there's no way there's no way it's in Maine is where I'm getting at. Uh, alternate theory my someone i work with has a florida license plate because in order to pay florida taxes on her vehicle she registered her car to her parents address in florida we live in ohio vehicular license plate fraud is that I'm, what that is? I'm calling this into DMV. <laughs> this 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 is this no. But besides stand. besides that point, um, the thing 
the thing that I remember about Dr. Arden kind of throwing a tantrum at one point, he went outside and shot point blank in the head every one of the mutants he had created. Right. So Mary Lucifer could have taken up his work, but I'm not sure. Uh, she also says, taking a step further into far-fetchedness, maybe Apocalypse teens weren't really Julian Thomas. Supposedly they grew up to be a doctor and law professor anyway, but actually descendants are clones of them that the aliens angels had created to be resilient and fight the war later on. Uh, okay, so first two parts, pretty strong. Last part really needs a little bit of work, but overall, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm buying this. We've, we've said all theories are, are welcome here, and, and yours certainly, yeah, and certainly has found the home here. Moving on to Ryan M. Who do you guys think would win if Michael Langdon and Thanos fought? I mean, mm. if the way I understand it, in the Marvel Universe, uh, in the Earth 616 timeline, Mephisto is essentially Satan the Devil. He, he uh, Or is a demon that is appeared to humans in that guise. And I think in the Infinity War, the Mephisto was essentially Thanos's lackey and Thanos uh, wasn't was afraid of, of of Thanos and that was before he even had all of the infinity stones so i think even without the infinity gauntlet that Thanos can clean satan's clock so therefore i think he could be able to beat the shit out of his little boy it'd be kind of like uh it'd be kind of like uh, Thanos uh, fighting a 3 year old like 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 beating just beating the living shit out of uh Shit, what is uh, Zoe's character in Fitting Gauntlet? Zoe? Oh, uh, Gamora? Gamora. It'd be essentially like, you know, Gamora as the little girl in in, 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 the, in the Infinity War. It's like if uh, Thanos just beat the shit out of her. That's, I think, how that fight would go. What do you think, Cecily? Uh, I think you have your answer. All right. Moving on. Uh, Sasu. Sasau? Sasu? From New York City. Hey, guys. I've been listening since Cult and noticing Bald Move has an AHS podcast. Uh, as actual, it made me decide to start watching. I've seen every season and actually just finished listening to your backlog coverage of Freak Show and Hotel. I know it's irrelevant to this week, but Aaron, you were really shitting on poor Evan Peters and remarked that you didn't want to see him back because of his supposedly bad acting. Just wondering if he's managed to grow on you as an actor or if you're more pro Peters these days. Uh, no, I, I think Evan Peters has a particular lane and... He, whenever he drives outside of that, you get shouty, screamy. But that's not exactly true Evan either. Peters. We loved his J.M. Barry from Hotel Cortez. All right, I did at least. J JPM. JPM is that what is it? Yeah, J-P-M? I forget what. The, the, uh, Marsh. 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 Marsh or Marsh. Yeah. Marsh. Uh, yeah, that's. That, but that's that's a particular lane to put him in. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, yeah. I, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I I thought you meant by lane. Yeah, I was alluding. I was I was about to go into that the lane that he should inhabit the 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 uh, HOV lane that is exclu- exclusive reverse uh, re, uh, reserved for him is being a turn of the century hotelier that is losing his mind and affecting an outrageous like uh, received upper class accent. Maybe just character acting. I okay. Think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because his Manson wasn't bad either. So I'm thinking that oh, yeah, maybe right. just him trying to do a very natural teenage romance doesn't really work well for him. Especially now that he's like 37. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I I still think he's he's pretty like it's it's I guess it's my cross to bear that he essentially is the one thing that's 
fixed and unchanging about American Horror Story. Has there, he's never been not in a season, right? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been in every season of American Horror Story. Great, that's phenomenal. I'm, I'm, just, I'm loving that streak. <laughs> uh, he continues. Was he in Roanoke? Yes, he was. Yep. Okay. Yep. That was all of them. Yep. Where he was in Roanoke? Was yeah, he, in Roanoke? he played um, the the whoa. All right, this is going to be hard to explain. Oh right, the, the real life the one that Sarah a- Paulson's actress character's boyfriend. Not only that, but he also played the original owner of the house back in the colonial days. He was the because remember these we saw him down in the tunnel. No. Yeah. No, I don't remember that. I'm gonna yeah. look that up later. All right, I could be wrong too, but I think I think so. He was the ghost that would, uh, you know, uh, usher people away through that tunnel. So they continue. I know Murphy is all about time jumps. Yes, but the time... I remember now. All right. Sorry, <laughs> I got I got <laughs> got conf- confirmation mid sentence. I know Murphy is all about the time jumps, but time jumps and apocalypse are excessive to the point where it feels. At as though we spent more time or more of the season in the past than the present. I think that's actually accurate. When did we flash back? When did the, the Apple scene happen? Like episode three or four? Three, I like, believe. Like ever since that episode, we have been in the past. So I, that's something that's been a long complaint of mine of American Horror Story is like, it feels like the first few episodes are fairly conventional storytelling and then. Oh shit! To make these all these connections, we have to go back in time and forward in time and sideways in time. This feels a little bit classic to me because it's essentially two parts. It's what came after and now explaining what came before, and presumably we'll get back to the after. Um, but I don't know because you also jump back to the murder house days and all kinds of crazy stuff. Am I the only one who struggles to keep track of when things are happening? I'm starting to think it actually would have been more effective for him to have told the story chronologically. While the reveals are neat to an extent, I end up confused whenever I try to figure out how the events I'm being shown translate to the present day apocalypse era. Anyway, I'm just hope that we get a banger next week and Murphy makes up for this one, at least with more Cheyenne jackson cheyenne 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 uh what do you think cecily what would the season look like if we had started off in the pre-hogwarts era and then worked our way up to the apocalypse shelter and then everyone dies and then the witches come back i mean because it didn't seem like you know the reason you would put all of those other you front load all of the other people who were smuggled into the bunker mm-hmm. is so you can make some sort of connection with them yeah. and care about what happens to them later. Yeah. Do you feel that way about anyone in that room? No. No, in fact, I'm... <laughs> Besides just, like, curiosity of what, why? Or, or, <laughs> or who they were? Just shot and fraud at, like, maybe this is the season <laughs> where we spend, like, three episodes committed to these, this teenager plot line and his Murphy's just like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Right. Like, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, there's an argument to be made that he wanted to hide the Coven connection and make it like a real fan treat. But again, the marketing and his own Instagram and Twitter undid that. So I, I don't I don't I don't understand. I don't understand why he likes to tell the story this way. It's like imagine if you did the OJ Simpson story this way. 
where we in we start like middle of the trial and then we go back for the murder and then we get a little bit more of the trial and then we're introduced to we go back to see Nicole Brown Simpson as a little girl and like what <laughs> what the fuck I I know he can tell a coherent story from start to finish so that's not what he likes to do in American Horror Story right Dominic T I just listened to the instant take and agree this episode missed a mark by a lot. Bringing in Sandra Bernhardt and Harriet Sampson Harris only makes sense if your goal is to make people laugh. Bernhardt is known as an outspoken comic, and Harris's best-known roles are Desperate Housewives as the nosy neighbor and Frasier as his trampy guest, or no, sorry, trampy agent. <laughs> Neither of these actresses start, strike fear in the viewer. It certainly seems that Ryan Murphy gave up trying to put any horror in American Horror Story. Uh, I mean, I don't. I feel like there's been adequate horror in aggregate this season mm-hmm. i kind of felt that in the first couple episodes but you know with the with the black masses and the hearts being ripped out and the spooky demonic imagery honestly that's the episode where anton Levey pulled the heart out of that girl that should have been the halloween episode yes everybody been everybody would have been losing their shit if that is what we got for a halloween episode but we didn't right and i think someone else had feedback about the that church scene itself so i want to wait until that point to talk about it more okay geek guy is here to spill some tea about silicon valley culture as someone who lives and works in silicon valley let me tell you the depiction of mutt and jeff did you realize that their names are credited as mutt and jeff i do now yeah is far more realistic in a lot of ways than the characters on silicon valley to be more accurate in their characterization of tech bros, Mutt and Jeff probably wouldn't be snorting coke. That's an L.A. or a New York City thing. But they certainly would be microdosing and maybe doing other designer drugs, including the old standby Molly. Tech bros have their designer drugs delivered to them just as depicted, but maybe not as much out in the open. The depiction of Satanism in AHS episode and via Gilfoyle in Silicon Valley is also accurate. Not saying they're everywhere, but I was once invited to what I thought was going to be a new AG event once, and it was full-on creepy dark mass, complete with prominent Baphomet statue. A lot of the attendees were in tech, they were full-on nerds, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. That's interesting, because I got on the internet back in the Usenet days, and the like Church of Satan, and uh, what was the other? The, the Church that Worships Bob, I forget. Uh, oh yeah, the oh you know, know the bo- like the you know the, the generic like white guy smoking a pipe. Um, yeah, fuck, I forget. But these were kind of like joke religions that people joke worshipped on the internet as a way to poke fun of mainstream religion. And it would be funny in the twenty five years since then if people are just unironic because I I see that time and time again. You get a community that is like ironically racist. And five years later, they just become genuinely racist. Or like on Reddit, the r slash the Donald started as an ironic mockery of his campaign. And now it's like his bastion of support on Reddit. You, It's kind of like you fake it till you make it. That happens in real life. Like, I guess it's not surprising that Satanism would maybe be unironically worshipped in Silicon Valley because people ironically worshipped it so long. That's crazy, though. Right. Church of the Subgenius is what you were thinking of. Yes, thank you. And I, yeah, I agree. I saw that evidenced in, I, my family lives out in Portland, mm-hmm. and 
I, I heard stories of them voting for or claiming to vote for Donald Trump because they they want to see chaos reign. For the, yeah, for the lulls. Or, or there's like these accelerate accelerationists that essentially think the world's heading to hell in a handbasket right, anyway. Right, like the so environment's well. fucked, so I'm just going to throw my cup out the window. Yeah, like everything needs to be overthrown in a violent revolution, so anything that gets us closer to that is, is towards true progress. I mean, I feel like that's a horrifying viewpoint, but... People do Absolutely. hold it, yeah. not ironically. Absolutely. The San Francisco Cisco Bay Area has a long entangled history of Satanism, radical libertarianism, and a cult-like devotion to Ayn. Is it Ayn or Ayn? It's Ayn, Ayn, Ayn Rand. Rand. Consider that uh, San Francisco is home for Anton LaVey, who is probably more like a Sandra Bernhardt character than a Michael Langdon in terms of credibility, though he has still quite the following. Also, the conspiracy theory type ramblings tinged with libertarian, libertarianism that Mutt and Jeff were spewing yesterday is actually pretty accurate of how these tech bros think if you get them high enough and they start talking. The incel-like nature of Silicon Valley's bro-dude culture celebrates male bonding, and women are also frequently the butt of jokes, also as accurately depicted in several of those scenes yesterday with Mutt and Jeff. For these reasons, I thought the episode was brilliant, and it was fun for me to see them poke at the nefarious, nerdy underbelly of tech bro culture. Yeah, I mean, first, I've never been part of the Silicon Valley culture, uh, and also, shit, I haven't been in any kind of IT culture for like five, six years now, so maybe they're all a bunch of molly-dropping, coke-snorting, Satan-worshipping misogynists. I mean, I, I'm, I, mean, I so- have no problem with... Um, you know, using recreational drugs as long as it's safe and legal and uh, you're and on the clock. <laughs> right. But doing it while you're at work just seems just seems crazy to me. But I don't know if you're a creative type, which I didn't really see tech as being. Oh. I'm sorry. That's 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 not what I mean. But it just seems so. OK, so, for example, what I mean is when I am in my cups, let's say, uh huh. Looking at my phone is hard. Uh-huh. I can't even imagine doing fine finite coding and yeah, things but I can like see that. Like microdosing Molly being a really fun experience if you're and then get get really deep in code or smoking a little smoking a little reefer, smoking a little pot and, and programming. I could see that that working out well or coke, coke, anything to help you focus. Oh Adderall. yeah, like, yeah. But I just don't think like Molly and 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 weed just seem like it makes my your vision kind of blurry and but he's saying microdosing which is not how that Maybe. stuff that stuff happens yeah. so anyway sounds like uh people are fleeing silicon valley <laughs> i think someone wrote you feedback on another podcast that said that they wanted to move out for have a more financially stable living situation but also oh, yeah. it sounds like uh men are kind of ruining things again mm. Well, we do. We do do No that. wonder women aren't getting into that field. I can't wait till women dominate the planet so we can find... Well, I don't know, man. Maybe it'll be an Amazon utopia. But I suspect. I suspect that, that women are perfectly capable of ruining things, too. <laughs> I feel like it might be time for a violent overthrow really? for women. Yeah. We should accelerate this stuff. Then. Right. Why are, we, why are we wasting our time with words? I don't know. Let's elect Putin in 2020. <laughs> uh, Todd B., I'm with Cecily on this one. I'm not convinced that the robot engineers whose names are Mutt and Jeff are people. People are really banging, banging I mean, the Mutt and Jeff. People keep saying that, but us. I still don't believe it. It's, it's an IMDb only thing, but we'll see if next episode they're referred to as Mutt and Jeff. 
are supposed to be uh i don't i'm not convinced they're supposed to be mr gallant and brock before they're put under a memory spell any more than i was convinced bubbles mcgee and gallant's grandmother were one and the same thank you for one thing as the witches who put memory spells on coco mallory and dinah how would they have even known these robot guys well i mean I'm not saying the witches were involved. Where I'm saying that there is a dream team of witches that were mind wiped and reprogrammed to pass as humans, and then also the Antichrist, in a way to counter that move, took his followers and mind wiped and personality changed them and put them in positions where they would be able to help him when they're in the bunker situation. Yes. But so it's not like all in the same team the way I think you're you're thinking, Todd. Yes, but Miss Vener- Venable is not a witch. Well neither is but she works she works for the Satanist programming company. I'm not saying like I I don't think Mutt and Jeff are witches either. I think they're just sat- satanic supporters. So Michael would put them under a memory spell and mix them in with the memory spell witches so that they'd all be at the bunker so that we can have this uh, final battle, I guess. Continuing, the further we get on this season, the less sense the original narrative seems to make. It started out as a story about a select group of people surviving the apocalypse and living in an underground bunker. Then Michael came and killed them all, and then the witches came and revived just three of them. Everything since then has been a flashback, and we've only got two episodes left. Do you think we'll ever come full circle and go back to what happened after the witches confronted Michael in the underground bunker, or have we seen the last of the present-day storyline? I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I, I, if, if by present day storyline you mean after the war the and in the bunker and the apples, yeah, there's no fucking way we don't go back to that. <laughs> like, maybe they do. Maybe they do give us all of the satisfying backstory we need, and then we're happy with this, them all just dying at the end. Yeah, you were just Cordelia having to stare off over the staircase with Michael Langdon. Like, there's Ryan Murphy's fucking nuts, but. I don't think he's I don't think he's reckless, you know. I think I think he observes the conventions of storytelling eventually. He'll eventually get there. Maybe. Finally, how satisfied will you be or not if this whole season wraps up with a, a big old to be continued? I mean, honestly, I think that's the season savior at this point. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So, but, my theory, my thought was, not theory. My thought was that this half season Worked in elements from Coven and Murder House. And then the next season, the next to-be-continued half part, will be another couple. Maybe Freak Show and Asylum. And then we'll just keep tying them all together. Yeah, I think I, I like the idea of next year they'll explicitly make connections between Asylum and then that they will use that. I'm com- sorry, what did you just say? Uh, you heard me. <laughs> You fucking see, this is why you wonder, you wonder why I resist, and this is why. Um, but Join yeah, us. I think that like they'll, they'll, it seems like they'll, like Jamie said, they'll weave the, some lore in from Asylum, and the combined universes will somehow, hopefully in an entertaining format, uh, resolve this apocalyptic plot. But yeah, I, to me, the, the real sad is if there is no con, con, to be continued, if this is a rushed, into what I think has been an incredible setup and a bunch of characters that I like, if they just like slam this out in two episodes and then ep- season nine is something unconnected, that would be, I think, a real 
missed opportunity. And also, if they're going to do that, I'm going to be extra pissed off at episodes like this that wasted so much time. Mm -hmm. Because I think... I I said last episode, I kind of gave it a pass because it was fun, but I I said not a lot of shit actually happened. There wasn't a lot of actual advancement. And I think if you look back and they finish this in the next two episodes, you're going to look back at these last two episodes and think... What a fucking waste of time that could be used to actually make this apocalyptic battle between the witches and, and warlocks entertaining. So I think to be continued is going to make me hopeful that we'll get another good season next year. Agreed. Savannah. Cecily is so close on her bedpost uh, observations. It wasn't just an exorcism. It was from The Exorcist with Kathy Box mimicked Father Kara's mother who says, Why do you do this to me, Demi? In the movie, the girl offering Apple reminded me of the film in Dreams. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the Fanta reference, or maybe it's just a Coke product placement. Yeah, I we just spaced the whole homage to The Exorcist. I guess our minds were in, like, what does this mean, rather than just... Right. The Fanta specifically was, I think, just sort of set the tone tone for what the hell is happening. Right. Um, and congratulations right. for being one of the only people who has seen In Dreams. <laughs> And could reference it off the top of your mind. Yeah, what is in dreams? I've never heard that movie. Heard of that movie? It's a it's a movie starring Annette Bening and Robert Downey Jr. I think it was like a 1997 movie, mm. and he's a, a traumatized little boy that grows up to be a serial killer, and she's a writer who starts dreaming and holy seeing shit. inside of his mind or seeing him t- carrying out the murders that he's doing. Right in the thick of RDJ's. Uh drug cycle yes okay oh, yeah. all right paul from worcester massachusetts i know you guys talked about it not working for you but for me the com- comedy around the church of satan was hysterical the juxtaposition of such dark horrific imagery and rhetoric against really dry deadpan humor had me in stitches i think it's because from a judeo-christian pov we think of the church of satan as this evil group akin to Voldemort's circle of death eaters maniacally laughing while guzzling blood but Murphy making it a relatively speaking congregation of otherwise unextraordinary people with pretty much the same problems and lack of ambition as the rest of us was pretty hilarious. I guess that's maybe that's what it works for me is because I think of the Church of Satan, I think of people trolling Midwestern and Southern states putting statues of Baphomet against the you know Ten Commandment statues on in public spaces and public squares and on courthouses. You know, they're essentially pushing Pushing back against free speech and freedom of religion, which I think a lot of people in America, since they're in the majority, interpret that as, you know, like, like you can't... Shit, what am I trying to say? I think they're free speech advocates and freedom of, freedom of and from religion advocates and trying to push back against the predominant Judeo-Christian culture of America. Because a lot of people, you know, it's very easy... That like people like oh this is a Christian nation you should have Ten Commandments on the steps of the courthouse versus well if you're going to allow that and we have a free expression of religion and we're not allowed state religions then if you're going to allow one statue then you probably need a statue to the Quran you probably need a statue to Buddha you probably need a statue to yes Baphomet so I never see them as a congregation. Wait, of, you can't like, get a statue of the Quran. What Quran? <laughs> No, you can. You can't make a stat. You can't make an image of a of a person. I didn't say. I said Quran. So like, because that's the thing. It's not a statue of Moses. It's a statue, literally, of the Ten Commandments. The the stone the stone tablets. Right. All right. All right. Fine. Anyway, 
everything from the congregation sharing what sins they committed to ushering in the end times, which hilariously ended up being such mundane, menial sins, such as stealing from the cash register, to the church holding a Wednesday night potluck and comparing recipes after meeting the Antichrist was hysterical. Not saying it was genius, but considering my preconceived notions were having so much comedy really worked for me. Yeah, let's not go throwing around the G word there. But um, I... (laughs) But still, the funny uh, the funny part of that wasn't a famous funny actress Sandra Bernhardt. It was the inept people she's dealing with. Mm. I, I I mean, every, humor's subjective, and I take this guy. It as is, word and I I have he, an incredibly dry sense of humor myself, and it did not land with me. Right, you got something out of it, so that's that's good. At least, at least it's getting through to someone. Rena, correct me if I'm wrong, but when a writer wants to break into the business, don't they typically write up a basic teleplay for a show just to prove they can hit the necessary beats and pitch it to a producer? That's what this episode felt like. It's a spec script, the spookiest of all things in Hollywood. <laughs> Ooh. Could you just could you do me a favor? Could you read this? Um, I thought I thought it was clever that Miss Venable used to work in Silicon Valley since she's the one who banned technology from the bunker. Also, do you think Evan Peters and Billy Eichner's stupid bowl cuts remind sort of resembled mushroom clouds? I like I actually kind of like that. Hmm. That you know, if you look at them from profile, they do look like a nuclear explosion. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I, Miss Venerable, I, I don't know what to think of her because number one, she's dead. Of course, she can be resurrected. Everyone can be resurrected. She's got the spina bifida or scoliosis or whatever she's yeah. got thing. Like, what is you know is is that implying some kind of robotic experimentation? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because then. I did not connect to this episode, and that's a problem for Murphy because if he's going to start building things on this foundation, so I'm, I'm going to write him a strongly worded letter. We are. We are. Michelle from Cali. I somewhat enjoyed the stupid campy romp through the satanic church and AHS Westworld lab with Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey running a joint, but I got to keep it 100 here, and it pains me to say this because A, I love the show, and B, the season in particular has been one of my favorites, but this episode was just not great. There are one or two strong aspects. Sandra Bernhardt was a joy to watch, and I love the satanic choir singing Or Fortuna and how that was shot. Yeah, it was like a real David Lynch kind of you know, mo- uh, moment in the way the light and the shadow and the red robes and just, oh, Fortuna, I always, you know, if you want to bring out the big guns and, and make something seem a hell of a lot more important than it has any right to be, throw or for- Fortuna at the end of it. Yes. like That'd be funny, like, if I just secretly filmed you, like, I don't know, cooking mac and cheese and then put the oh, Fortuna soundtrack just underneath as the it. The- yeah, as the water starts boiling. Well, a friend of mine uh, did that, and it's one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Really? She's got a a video of her playing with a five-year-old, uh, and someone throws a giant inflatable ball at the five-year-old, and it comes in and just hits him right in the face, and he falls back, and she put it in slow-mo, dropped O Fortune on it, and <laughs> it just works for anything, really. Uh, but, as Michelle gets back to, there are some real problems. Cordelia doing an about-face and offering forgiveness and redemption to Michael was definitely a what-the-fuck moment. My exact words were, wait, what? Michael's mind-fuck journey to find his father in the forest, wandering the back alleys of L.A., etc., were just, why? Like I said, I enjoyed the satanic church part, but the rest was a mess. This is the eighth episode. There are only two left in the season. They should be starting to wrap things up, but instead we are reduced to Ma- or introduced to Madeline, who... Did anyone actually care much about her? No. Who? I think that's the old... I don't know for sure, but I think it's the old woman. It's gotta be. Yes. It's gotta be. 
For a season in which I think almost every episode has been at least an 8 out of 10, this one is really a letdown. I'd have to give it no more than a 5. I think you're, I even think you're being generous, Michelle, from California. I'm, I'm more of a 3. 3 at best. Murphy has been uh, better damn well bring it these next two episodes. I want some destruction of the Antichrist, four horse of the apocalypse, riding into the bleak, devastated wasteland of Southern California realness. Side note, this episode is written by Josh Green, who co-wrote a lot of the Freak Show season episodes, a.k.a. my least favorite season. Uh, Asha Michelle Wilson, who co-wrote quite a few cult season episodes, a.k.a. my second least favorite season. Mm. Blah. So, yeah, I get it. She also said that Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk were credited, but I think the deal with that on IMDb is they're literally credited on every episode. They always are and always will be. So... You know, because they're they're in the room popping Adderall anytime people are writing, for sure. I can't believe Michelle likes cult more than freak show. I uh, it's it's everyone's got their subjective opinion, and and it's it's okay if their subjective opinions are wrong. But uh, we'll we'll it's, it's we'll just just move on. Well, that's your subjective opinion that we should move on. But I'm the man with the microphone and the show notes. Oh, so and, it's a man thing now? And editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a token woman on here to give me a fig leaf for the fact that I this this thing is produced, edited, and published, and profiteered from by man. Oh, what? And now I'm going to find out you're getting paid for this? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's let's look, let's uh, let's let's not talk about that. Jesse, I'm curious where Anton Lavey is supposed to be at this point in the show. Yeah, fuck yeah. Where is this motherfucker? He pulls a heart out and blesses Matthew with his d- dark or Michael with his dark blessings, and then just fucks off. Mm-hmm. Like we're making do with this off-brand Sander Bernhardt Satanism. Where the fuck is Lavey? Taylor Swift's on tour, so where- he had to go with her. <laughs> <laughs> she's really getting involved in democracy now he's camp he's canvassing in tennessee with her uh, yep yeah also curious that the satanic temple is using sabrina or wait also curious that the satanic temple is suing sabrina the teenage witch but not this show did you see this article that uh the satanic temple is suing sabrina over the use of baphomet which i i think is like a copyrighted character by them their thing huh. yeah I don't know. You got. I'm starting to keep my eye on this, uh, the Satanic Temple because you start copywriting your religious beliefs and you are already halfway to Scientology. So, and you're also Satanist. I mean, it's their which, it's their IP. If this were like, for instance, I mean, if no, you look at it this no, way, no, it's not. If, if this, this is, is a revealed a truth of the universe, it's no one's IP. Let me speak. Okay. If this were, for instance, a character that you had created and drawn mm-hmm. and. Uh, made into a successful comic, mm-hmm. and then people just started putting that character in their shows. But it's not. This is a religion, and religions Baphomet are. Isn't so- I thought you said that was something they created. No, it, it, well, because I know that it's all bullshit. Okay, like I'm, I'm going to. Well, yeah, Calvin and Hobbes aren't real people out there somewhere, but I. But I'm, I'm saying that they want to be. Look, you can either be a intellectual property exploited by Hollywood or whatever, or you can be a religion, but you can't be both because religions enjoy a lot of fundamental protections and tax exemptions that fucking businesses don't. So if you're suing for intellectual property, that's that's fair because of your religious beliefs, then you're fucked. You're, you're literally That's like, just had to be devil or Baphomet's advocate over here. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's the problem. And now the interesting thing is why Sabrina the Teenage Witch getting sued, but not probably because I don't think they've actually thrown Baphomet here. Also, I thought Baphomet went back down to like the Crusader days. Like that was like some kind of uh something with uh involving the Knights Templar. I don't know. I need a I need a Satanist. I need a Satanist to set forward out of the shadows and tell me what your guys's uh you know fourth quarter strategy and suing young adults Satan shit on on YouTube. Like how how is this going to pay off the, your your shareholders? Because it's 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 not making sense to me. Um, but I the, yeah the only thing I can think of is Sabrina actually makes Baphomet a character and American Horror Story is kind of writing around that because you. Also, I they, they don't have to pay an appearance fee to Anton LaVey. He's a fucking public figure. You can satirize him all you want. And he's dead on top of that. I think you can... Yeah, there's some. There's all kinds of weird rules. Like, you can say McDonald's out loud, but you can't show their logo or any of their things on television. Unless it's something like a parody or a satire. Like, right, you, exactly. You can, you can make a character be Elvis Presley. You can make a character be JFK. You can make a movie, Bubba Hotep, where both of those guys are <laughs> in a nursing home trying to destroy an ancient mummy. Like, There's a lot of things you can do playing outside the rules if, if, if you do it right. But, yeah, anyway. Good luck. Good luck on your, your satanic lawsuit there against Sabrina. <laughs> Imtron from San Diego. I love this episode and not getting why the instant take was so negative. I, what? Again, everyone has their subjective opinion, but I will say that it does seem the vast majority of the fan base, even on Reddit, is with us on here. So let's 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 tone down the I'm not getting why the instant take is so negative well, kind of stuff. Let's let's hear what they have to say. All right. I've been in the game development industry for 16 years and the powder did flow to the point where one could also disco their way all the way to the ship date. The show exaggerates a bit, but I saw those extremes as each of, in each of the companies I've been in. The Satanism was as ridiculous as the witchcraft, which made me laugh even harder than I did earlier in the season. Great exploitation episode. So this is so, Satan Sosplation. Okay. I thought there would be more defense of why they personally liked the episode. They like Besides it. it they did a lot of coke developing video games. Well, but here's what you have to consider. <laughs> the reason why most people didn't like it is that it was substantially less substantive than the rest of the episodes throughout the season. It didn't, it introduced us to new characters and didn't really give us much more plot development, but it did putty in some holes, I guess Mm. with Miss Mead. Um, The holes that I didn't need putty in. Right. And the other thing is you have to consider emailer is that it's a Halloween episode. Yeah. All the other ones in the season were bangers and they didn't even need to be. This right. one needed to be. Right. And the Halloween episodes have always been fun on American Horror Story. And, and you finally have a Halloween episode on Halloween and it just felt like a missed opportunity. It wasn't even Halloween in universe. Hmm. Yeah. Especially since we got such a half-assed Halloween episode. And it's been seven years Previously. since Halloween has been on a Wednesday right. when American Horror Story is airing. It just felt... It just Felt like a little missed opportunity. C-Drive. Regarding Eichner and Peter's dumb and dumber characters, yes, they don't seem to look or act like robotic geniuses, but maybe that's the point. Just like how they can't OD and Peter smirk and, and says, uh, it's a devil of a mystery. They're maybe gifted this geniusness to be able to create leading-edge robotics, just like they're gifted the billions that come with it and the inability to OD from truckloads of Coke and Victoria's Secret Models and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so... 
I I think this tracks. Like you're supposed to understand that the kindly satanic grandmother who says, "Yeah, I just pledged my soul to Satan and look at all this stuff I got. I got this modestly nice house and I get the fuck um Ryan Reynolds and all that kind of stuff." Like these guys are fucking idiots, but they pledged their soul to Satan, so they they could just have it's it's kind of like Futurama, you know, Fry got the devil's hands and he can play this hollow pipe even though he's an idiot. I, I I guess this all makes sense. It's just kind of I don't know. I can see Ryan Murphy getting high and giggling about that concept. It just it didn't track for me. I he just doesn't seem like the type it, personally to worship but, Satan. Uh, no, to do a bunch. Oh, of... Oh, please explain what a Satan worshiper looks like. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying a cocaine user. Do you yeah. want me to explain what a cocaine user looks like? Oh yeah. <laughs> Certainly not a successful family man. It looks like multiple presidents of the United States. Uh, Telephone of Madness, Michael and the uh, Satanists are like Acarius and the Children of Blood from Preacher. Acarius is a really powerful vampire, but his followers are wannabe losers. For example, Acarius' headquarters is in this some, some guy's grandmother's basement. She even brings them tea. I think the joke here is the contrast between Michael and these losers. But then they muddy the waters by portraying Michael as a weak daddy's boy and having a Satanist do actually impressive stuff like building Kathy bots. Yeah, I. that's the thing. That Satan actually has power. So even if his followers are idiots, they're still going to be relatively successful and powerful in this world. I, I don't... That, that's... I don't know why that bothers me because I guess, you know, when I was, I was talking about like hereditary, that's also kind of my, my issue there that you had these kind of like schlubby cultists that were worshiping this devil and they all have guts and spare tires and they're balding, and, but they're naked and covered in blood and getting all this money for free. Like, like that's literally the Satan myth, right? That's literally the Faustian bargain that people can make. So I don't know why I don't like it when it's just presented. You know, in in just just as that in in modern society, but it kind of does. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I, it's 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 new wave Satanism. I just need to I just need to get on board. Yeah, I need to paddle out and catch that wave. <laughs> Finally, anomial. Apparently, I was what the fuck about the truce for different reasons than everyone else. Why would the time and place ever be the right place to offer a truce due to seeing the good in him? I was thinking it would, I would be upset if Michael didn't just immediately turn her down and threaten her. As it is, he should have been even more furious than he was shown, and Cordelia should have been smart enough to know that it wasn't the right situation to make that offer, even if it was one of her in-game scenarios. No, I think you're right. Like, I, I saw a lot of defense on this in other places where, you know, it's like, well, why didn't Cordelia immediately attack him with, like, all of her coven as backup when he showed up to mourn the body of his adopted mother? And people are like, well, he's just too powerful for that. She just rubbed in his face that she completely massacred the people that he loved and supported him. If he's that much more powerful, why didn't he just blow her off the map? Like, that logic doesn't track. Somebody should have got the claws out and come after the other, I feel like. Right. And they just, it just, it just didn't happen. There's a higher purpose. It's like or if, if you're from hell, is it a lower purpose? Yeah. It's like, imagine if Obi-Wan and Anakin were circling each other on Mustafar... And Obi-Wan's like, you're supposed to be the chosen one. And and Anakin's like, well, fuck you. I don't care. High ground up your ass. And then Obi-Wan's like, well, okay, then. You you, you have a good think about this. And got on a shuttle and took off. Yeah. Like, the fuck? That's not what this... We wanted Mustafar. What the hell? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else? That's that's all I have. That's, that's a feedback, and it's on Friday. So that's a feedback Friday. 
AHS at BaldMove.com if you got additional thoughts that we might consider for next week. Or you can always talk about it on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. We have a thread each week. Each week, people. Each week? Each week. Each and every week. Even when there's no American Horror Story? Just every week we start a thread. <laughs> every week that is... This is our own personal purgatory. <laughs> every week that has an episode of American Horror Story, or sometimes the week before and after, because we do, you know, wrap-ups and, and previews and whatnot, mm-hmm. the, 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 we have a, an episode corresponding uh, to American Horror Story in our forums at forums.paulboot.com. <laughs> Now that our, our rules are laid bare and, and, and internally These consistent. These are the commandments of Bald Move. Right, right. Uh, but if you post on the forum... <laughs> I'm trying to think of how I can work copyright into this. Everything you post is owned by baldmove.com and can be exploited at will. Yes. Uh, yeah. AHS at baldmove.com. Forums.baldmove.com. Hopefully the next two weeks uh, get back on track and we can finish strong or continue strong... Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. See ya.